0: Welcome again, everyone, here to Lord of Grace. We're gonna continue today with the second in this little mini-series I'm doing, I'm calling Faithful Together, where we're gonna look a little bit at the topic of marriage and family in the Bible and in the church. Now, last week, we talked about Jesus and his own disciples and how he was with his own disciples creating a new community, a new family that wasn't based on blood, Uh, but on simple obedience to the will of God. Jesus' line was, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother or my sister or my mother. Uh, So you didn't have to be born into Jesus' immediate family to be considered his brother or his sister. You just had to follow the will of God. Uh, And it was a crazy kind of vision in a way where anyone, no matter what your walk of life, You had a place. And the only only exclusion was your choice to not follow God. And this is the image of Jesus that we see when he talks about family relationships. He's not a huge boundaries person, Jesus isn't. Uh, You know, he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors, he goes to other countries. Uh, He heals people in other countries. He talks with Samaritans, who we know were often hated. And, And the list goes on and on. Jesus doesn't give a lot of teachings, specifically on family, except to welcome people into his new family. And he only gets really strict when he's laying out sort of laws for marriage and family, he only gets strict when he's talking about uh, divorce. But that's a topic we'll have to get to another day uh, because divorce back then was more about men dumping women and leaving them without support than it was about irreconcilable differences or the kind of things we struggle with today. But that said, uh, that's what we get from Jesus. Jesus. He set the stage for this new vision for people. And it's egalitarian, and it's multiracial, and it doesn't respect class divisions. It's it's kind of what a lot of the hippies liked about Jesus. Uh, That, and I think they liked his fashion style. Uh, But what happens next? After Jesus died, and is raised, and ascends to the Father, well, what happens then? The Apostle Paul comes in, and the Apostle Paul takes the baton so that, we know what we, so that we know of how issues of marriage and family are dealt with in Paul's writings. And he seems to be fairly into the whole egalitarian thing as well. Let's look at Galatians 3, as, starting at verse 25. St. Paul writes, But now that faith has come... We are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. This is one of the great verses of Paul. It's, it's a good one to tell your young adult kids who think that Christianity is all about rules and limits. What Paul is saying to his church in Galatia, and Galatia's now in central Turkey, but what he's telling this new church is really revolutionary. The whole world of Rome was about hierarchy and order and authority. Everybody had a place, and everyone was in their place. And there was punishment if you got out of place. And the bedrock, where all that rested on, the foundation of the whole society, the whole empire, it was the family and the household. And it was hierarchical, and it was authoritarian. Parents over children, husbands over wives, masters over slaves. This was what kept the Roman world in order. And it kept children from getting mouthy, kept getting wives from having opinions and jobs and crazy things like that. In Roman law, even, the master of the household... The head of the household was always the oldest father, and he was called the pater familius, the father of the family. And by law, by Roman law, he could even go so far as to kill someone who disobeyed him under his authority. It's where we get our modern term for patriarchy, to describe this idea of the male head of the household having control. But the Romans, they thought this was absolutely necessary because if women and slaves started going their own ways and not following orders, there would be chaos and anarchy and social problems and kids running around the streets, who knows what would happen. At least that's what they said. So they didn't flinch at the idea of husbands being allowed to kill their wives for disobedience and definitely not slaves. It was for everyone's protection that certain people have to stay in power over others. It's for your own good, they said, and all our goods that you stay and obey. So what about Paul? Well, Paul goes into a place like Galatia. It's agricultural, probably fairly conservative. uh, And he gets in his church people from across the social ladder. He gets Jews and Greeks. He gets slaves and slave owners. He gets women and men. And they become a part of this new community. And instead of telling them that they need to stay in their place, he says that Jesus Christ has set us free, that we follow God with faith, and that is what motivates us to do good. So we no longer have these hierarchies and these distinctions in our church neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Now, I don't know. I honestly don't know if Paul was talking about all of society or just within the church itself. But it doesn't take long for someone to start drawing conclusions that if I can be free in church, if I can be free in Christ, why can't I be free on the farm? and not be a slave. If I'm equal to my husband in church, why can I not be equal to my husband at home? Ideas ideas have ways of kind of creeping out of their bounds and getting around. I I think Paul's vision of Christian community, which was consistent with Jesus, started getting out. And that's when they, the Romans, the elders of the church, started freaking out. And they decided they had to clamp down and they had to put a lid on things and start adding books to the Bible that would rein everybody in and bring back the gender roles and the hierarchy and the slavery and the authority. People can't be left to make their own decisions. The family will be destroyed. We have to have someone in charge. I can just hear them now. And we don't know. And we really don't know if it was husbands and slave owners in the church feeling their power was slipping away or if it was a fear that the Romans would start persecuting them if they thought Christians were running around trying to free slaves and start a social revolution and undercut the power of the pater familias. But whatever their motivation, the Christian church went from egalitarian and freeing to legalistic and hierarchical in the span of about 50 to 100 years. And that's where we get some of these passages. And you've probably heard them quoted to you at one point in time. Colossians 3, let's look at Colossians 3, starting at verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, or they may lose heart. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. It's a total reversal of everything Paul said in Galatians. Now, once again, we are male over female, husband over wife, free over slave. The old order has been reestablished, and we can all breathe a deep sigh of relief that the social revolution is over. Men don't have to give up their role telling wives and slaves what to do. And you can tell your Roman friends, when you're down at, you know, the Maximus Romanus Country Club, that, the, that, that you are not a part of a revolution to build some new world or some new social order. But in fact, you are supportive of the social order. And you even tell your slaves to be good slaves and obey like good Roman citizens would. Let me give you another verse. First Peter Chapter 2, fear God, honor the emperor. Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. I'm sure it won't surprise you, but in the old American South, they've quoted this verse a lot. By being cruel to my slaves, I'm strengthening their faith. And see, Romans, we're good slave owners too. We even tell them to obey unjust masters. See what good Roman citizens we are. You know, I weep when I read these passages because it's like you had this glimmer into this new community, this new society. This world without someone always having to hold power over someone and control someone all the time. This world where people who used to be controlled are now freed to be equal in rights and standing before God and each other. It's it's such a beautiful vision, but it gets squashed so fast. And now in the church, we still fight about this. You still hear people talking about the importance of hierarchy and authority and husbands being in charge. There are still churches where women can't even vote at meetings, let alone be pastors, because they've chosen to take the verse about women being in their place extremely literally and skip over the neither male nor female part. Or what they will say is something like, Well, spiritually, in heaven, in the eyes of God, we're equal. But on earth, we still have to have someone in charge. I mean, we can't just let women going around church telling the men what to do. It would all collapse. It's funny. I've had nothing but women as council presidents here at Lord of Grace in my whole ten years. And we've not collapsed. Uh, Nor has anarchy broken out nor have our families been destroyed, uh, nor has the church turned into some amoral, decadent, debauched sort of whatever people imagine. We took away some of those laws, some of the old hierarchies, and we didn't die. And the apocalypse didn't come. So if you go to the New Testament and you're looking for answers on how we should structure our families, You can look in Jesus, and you can look in Paul, or you can look in some of those later books, written after Paul died, though sometimes with Paul's name added to them, like Colossians or Timothy. Where you look often depends on the answer you want. If you want the Bible to be a rule book That will establish hierarchy and authority for all eternity, no questions asked, then you are going to gravitate to those books at the end that have those laws and those rules. And we have a name for those rules, and I'm going to throw it on the screen because it's a fun one, Haus Tafel. In the church, everything has to have a fancy name. And it's, it's even more better and fancier if it has a fancy German name. It just means household codes. haus household codes. And these household codes are the bread and butter of churches that want to teach about women in their place and family being governed by gender roles and hierarchies. They love the haus And they move all that equality stuff to the spiritual realm. And, uh, you know, but I like to think that the writers of the codes were not malicious, but just wrong. I, I don't live with the fear of getting my whole family hauled off into slavery or crucified on the allegation that we're starting a slave revolt. That was a real fear. I don't live with the fear of being lynched by an angry mob for corrupting women and the youth and destroying Roman family values. Early Christians did. So I get why they might have caved. The fear was real. But it's still not Jesus' message. And it's still not Paul. And they could have at least said, you know, look, times are tough. We're going to make some accommodations so we don't get killed. Instead, they're, they turn their accommodations into scripture. But at the bottom, at the bottom of it is the problem that we still run into today. The question that comes up in all attempts at creating societies and groups or families that are egalitarian. What do we do to keep everyone from doing anything they want? How do we prevent chaos and disorder? How do we prevent potentially bad uh, consequences coming from people's free decisions? And it's the ace in the hole trump card that all authorities always use. They always argue that you can't handle yourself and you need someone to control you for your own good. That's the place of law and it needs to exist. In society, we have to have laws. Some of us don't handle ourselves very well when left to our own devices, and some of us will make decisions that are not responsible, and that will put others in danger or hurt people, and, and we won't change those until forced. Some of us are like that, maybe all of us some of the time. I mean, you look, look, at, look at all this, this coronavirus stuff, right? We keep telling people, distance wear your mask wash your hands stay home be careful and yet there's a group that's got to run down to the beach or the store or wherever as if nothing's wrong and breathe on everything and touch everything and spread it all over the place and people die we want to have freedom but what about the free- those who use their freedom in ways that hurt others what about families Do we not have authority? I don't know, honestly. I honestly don't know what a a patriarchal marriage looks like. I've never experienced that. Telling my wife what to do isn't something that I do a whole lot of or uh, would be terribly well received or is even all that necessary. But here's the deal. We don't have to have someone in charge of us controlling us all the time in order to prevent chaos and get things done. We can act in the best interest of each other just out of love and faith. Faith and love, that's the new law. That guides us, controls us, restricts us without needing that hierarchy and authority. And this is the radical idea. And the very early Christians might not have had the imagination to envision a world where people really did have some sense of equality. But Jesus did, and Paul did, and a lot of us Christians still do. And so we live by that idea, that vision that faith and love can guide us, that laws can be a backup, that hierarchies should be a minimum, and that grace and compassion through the spirit through the holy spirit can be what motivates us and moves us in our lives amen